Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Okay, so in this episode, I sit down with Darren Manser. Darren is a naturopathic doctor who has spent years working as a trainer, massage therapist, and eventually moved into naturopathic uh, medicine. Um, And he shares some amazing perspectives on the emotional side of training and flexibility and just things that we need to consider if we're going on that journey. And in my opinion, these are often the things that limit the mind the most when thinking about how can I get myself out of pain? How can I improve my flexibility? It very much stems more from, I believe, the emotional and spiritual level, just as much as it does the physical level. In this episode, we dive into the consciousness side of kinesiology and the maps that give us better vibrations. We talk about flight or fight responses and how these responses can actually, if we can link them to better ways of uh, how we approach flexibility. Um, And yeah, just a great episode. I think you guys will get a lot from it. Um, Yeah, let me know what you think. Welcome to Range of Strength Podcast. I have a very special guest with me here today, uh, a gentleman that I have gotten to know quite well in the last month, and he's, he's taught me a lot of cool things about the mind and the body and how it relates to flexibility, so I'm super excited to share some of uh, these things and hopefully a lot more um, with you guys. But uh, yeah, uh, welcome, Darren Manser. This is awesome. Thank you so much. Man, I'm pumped to be here. Hey, I've been counting this down ever since we you know, decided to do this. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, like meeting you was enlightening because you jumped onto the Real Movement platform and you were getting engaged that way. And I hadn't like connected with you like I uh, had liked to like at the start. But yes. then you did a presentation uh, in kinesiology and I was like, I got to talk to this guy. We, <laughs> we got to... We got to talk more um and we've had quite a few calls uh since then it's been yeah it's been epic bonding with you and hearing more thank about you brother i appreciate you. that yeah um if you uh, don't mind would you um give the uh, listeners a little introduction who you are and what you do and all yeah that yeah absolutely absolutely so just uh on on real movement like you mentioned that um one of my great mates lyndon holzheimer he's the lifestyle fast lane on instagram uh, and what was really interesting is that he's uh, a great mate of Keegan uh, Smith, who, you know, is, is real movement. And he's been trying to get us to touch base for about three or four years and it's never worked out. And then all of a sudden, you know, right time, right place. And yeah, then that's, uh, you know, basically how I got into real movement. But 
my my journey into health and healing was was quite an interesting one where i was actually in a, a state golf team like i love golf and and was doing that sort of thing as a junior and yeah one of the one of the requirements of being in the golf team was we had to actually start lifting weights it's like a 17 18 year old and okay. then the goal of you know being a golf pro then changed it because i just loved lifting and you know doing that type of thing so I went from, you know, finishing school, then I, I played golf for 12 months going, right, this is what I want to do, and then loved the lifting side of things, but, you know, got a real job because I wasn't as good as and probably focused and driven as I could have been with the golf and worked full-time as a trainee accountant, which was just bizarre. I kept getting into trouble for talking too much instead of crunching numbers, and from there, it's like I just had this hole in my soul where I just wanted to help more people where, you know, yeah, it's great doing the accounting and that type of thing, but I really wanted to just help people. So then the second year of doing the trainee accounting, I actually uh, lived in country South Australia, uh, in Australia, and uh, where my small hometown was, there was about 900 people that were living there. I would drive on a Friday night after working Monday to Friday or drive on a Friday night sort of two and a half, three hours to go to Adelaide. I'd do a uh, personal training course on the weekend. And then Sunday night, I'd drive home the two and a half, three hours, then start work again Monday. And I did that 26 weeks in a row. Wow. So then for me, it was a real, you know, driving force to get out of it. And then what was really interesting, and that was in 96. And in that year, my sister, who was uh, slightly older than me, she had some acne as a, like a, a I guess, a 19, 20-year-old. She went and saw a naturopath, and I thought she was stupid. Like, what are they going to do, like natural <laughs> doctors? And then all of a sudden, like, her acne cleared up, and the, the chick that uh, she basically went and saw, um, she prescribed porridge, like oats. Um, and the oats were fantastic for her and her digestion. And within probably two or three weeks, her skin was awesome. And I was like, right, i got to look into this. And then within you know, 12 months, like I was actually, I moved down to Adelaide um, away from the family home and all that type of thing. And then started studying natural therapies and naturopathic sports medicine, where it was really about, you know, looking at the body and, and healing and the way it all works and yeah. getting the most out of people where it was, you know, vitamin based, uh, mineral based, herbal based, uh, homeopathy, uh, lasers, acupuncture, massage. And it was, yeah, it was quite a ride. Yeah. There's so many different avenues there. And Mm. it's been cool hearing you present like some of the ones that you really focus on because yeah, yeah i mean i can imagine you get into that kind of schooling and it's like any school it's like they show you the 20 different things and you end up picking the ones that you really want to focus on yeah um and with, what where did you put your focus oh great great yeah, yeah. So, so for me like the personal training was awesome because it really sort of nourished my soul and it helped me to help other people. Yeah. And that's one of my major, you know, focuses in life is like, you know, how can I make the world a better place? How can I help other people with their journey and, and that type of thing? So for me, when I was doing the personal training, I could help some people and not others. And I didn't really have the same framework that I do now. And I'll, I'll talk about that in a second, but the, what I, what I was able to do is, is, you know, literally, you know, help some people but not help others. And that's where the, the, the massage started to come into it. So, you know, the people that I couldn't help with the personal training, I started doing massage and that was great. But then after I was doing a treatment on a guy, 
I, I literally asked a question. I was like, hey, Barry, how's the, how's the relationship going after massaging him for an hour? And then after I asked that question, you know, it, it was being processed by the brain and the spinal cord. And then all of his muscles went tight because he was actually going through a divorce. Uh-huh. Now, I didn't, you know, go out of my way to sort of trigger him. But then I had this massive realization that it's not just about the lump of meat. The emotions have a massively important part on how the lump of meat works. Right. Because I basically, um, you know, realized that. And then when I was massaging people, I then started uh, to get them to talk about their emotions whilst I was massaging them. And and once again, that was good, but then hit and miss. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then over over that time, I was able to go to the Sydney Olympics with the Australian Beach Volleyball team and I helped them with their massage and I was doing some cupping and acupuncture and some cool stuff there. Nice. And And then ultimately... You know, I was getting probably more frustrated because it's it's not about the people that I can help. It's it's about the people that I haven't been able to help, and that's what's always been driving me. Mm-hmm. Where you know, how can I help more? How can I help more? How can I serve more? How can I be more? And then all of a sudden, I came across uh, kinesiology, and ology means study of, and kinesis is movement. And this really rocked my world. And the reason why it rocked my world is all of a sudden I had this framework, this template to work with. And now, if you can picture in your mind a equilateral triangle where, you know, equilateral, meaning all three sides of the triangle have the same length, then the way I start to uh, vision the world now is that, you know, one side of the triangle is structural, one side of the triangle is emotional, and another side of the triangle is nutritional or chemistry. So then what I was doing with the massage and the personal training, I was working on the structural side of the triangle, which is great, but... You know, I love the Russian saying, it's like if the only tool you have is a hammer, you beat the crap out of everything. Yeah. And that's literally what I was doing. If one yeah. session wouldn't fix your back, then three would, then five would, then six would. Let's stretch it. Let's strengthen it. And all of a sudden I had that realisation where, well, hang on a sec, there's an emotional component to it as well, but then there's also a nutritional component to it or a chemical component to it. Um, and as a naturopath with my, you know, my natural doctor hat on, uh, you know, let's hypothetically say I guessed you were magnesium deficient. Well, you know, which magnesium form do you need? Because each form of magnesium actually works on a different organ. So, for example, one of the great magnesiums for the heart and heart health is magnesium orotate. But magnesium orotate isn't very good for muscle health. So there's a real difference there, too, with, you know, what's the, what's the target action for this? Mm-hmm. And then before kinesiology, let's say I guess you needed magnesium. Let's say I guess you had the right type, but I guessed the wrong dose. It's still going to be ineffective. Right. So I prescribed 400 milligrams instead of 800 milligrams, and the person's still not getting the best results. Mm-hmm. So then with muscle testing, I had now that framework of the what we call the triangle of health, where we've got the emotional, the structural, and the nutritional. And then I started looking into you know, uh, Chinese elements and, you know, the, this muscle relates to this organ and then this organ relates to these emotions. So now when I look at the body, if someone says they've got a, a, a rhomboid issue or a pec major sternal issue, those muscles actually relate to the liver. So I'm not only thinking about that muscle per se, but I'm also thinking what internal organ does that represent? So then if a person has an issue with that muscle, technically they've got an issue with that organ. And or they've also got an issue with that emotion. So the liver emotions are anger, resentment, frustration, irritation, depression, aggression, rage. 
So then if a person has a propensity to experience those emotions, sometimes, you know, by, by working on the reflexes or working on the nutrition or just literally working on emotion, like we can start to have a holistic look at how health and well-being can be achieved. That's very cool. Yeah. Now, um, like, yeah, like that really resonates with me because, you know, you start out your journey as a personal trainer and it's all just like, you know, everything's in a box. Okay. Just do these sets and reps and tell them to do this, this many times and they'll be healthy. And it's like, you start helping some people because maybe they're at the stage of readiness. Like they're ready to change. They're ready for that. But then all these people you can't help. And that's always been my journey as a coach and trainer has been like trying to look for those ways to help those people. And that's what connected with me and with you is like you, you have these different ways of looking at things now on an emotional level and flexibility is very much also on a, an emotional level. Like, why are we tight? You know, and there's that thought process of genetics and like, you'll never be flexible. It's like, I, that's a huge part of it. The emotional side yeah. of the body, like what we're holding the stress. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like let's let's get deeper into this and and why. Right, this is, this is so, I love this so much. Like I'm I'm like sitting on the front of the chair, getting so excited. But um, uh, the the talk you had about the vibrations and like kinesiology, like um, yeah, vibration levels and like how we can. Is there a way that we can maybe like summarize that for listeners that won't see? Yeah. See, like, because you presented it really well with like your whiteboard and everything, but yeah, is, there, is there a way that we can maybe present it so that, you know someone listening can kind of get some framework behind? Hundred percent, hundred percent. So, so the way I like to look at it is, and and I've been in clinic now for eleven years, twelve years, and the whole idea for me is literally doing everything I possibly can to help people. Now, I find there's a couple of different forms of kinesiology. There's clinical kinesiology where I'll have people come to me and they've got issues, whether they're emotional issues, whether they're structural issues, whether they're nutritional, and I'll use my clinical kinesiology skills and tools to help them. There's another type of kinesiology called consciousness kinesiology. And consciousness kinesiology is literally, uh, you know, it was developed by a guy called David Hawkins. And... David Hawkins is a guy that uh, was a medical doctor and also a psychiatrist. And, and basically, as a, as a psychiatrist, um, you know, he studied mental illness. And then he eventually came across uh, muscle testing. And he found that some things would make the body test strong and some things would make the body test weak. So, for example, we know that when we are hanging around positive people, we feel good. Now, what's really interesting with kinesiology, the muscle actually tests strong when we think about people we love. But then when we think about uh, issues from a personal perspective, work perspective, money perspective, it doesn't matter. Whenever we think about issues where we are stressed, then all of a sudden the muscle will go weak. And it has quite a profound impact where... Ideally, we should be thinking about love, happiness, uh, you know, peace, prosperity, and all that type of thing. But quite often, we get stuck in a rut. And when we are stuck, you know, we, we can't see the forest for the trees, so to speak. Now, what David Hawkins has done with his research is he was able to identify a, a map, and he calls it a map of consciousness. And basically, the map of consciousness is a scale from naught to a 1,000. 
And on this scale, through the muscle testing, he's been able to identify exactly, you know, what frequency and vibration a different word or a different feeling actually has. So what's really interesting is that with this map of consciousness, literally for the first time in human history, we have an ability to see what a word or feeling vibrates at. Now, let me give you a real world example. A real world example is literally every single thing has frequency and vibration. Now, you know, as I'm smacking my chest and the desk that I'm on, things that are physical, we can feel. Hmm. Now, thoughts and feelings are also, they have a reality. But because we can't see them, sometimes we don't give them the same value and worth as what this desk does or has. But what's really interesting is that every thought, the way I like to language it, is like a rock being thrown into the pond of life. Now, Lucas, my brother, if you're throwing, if you've got a big rock and that rock is love and I'm throwing anger rocks into the pond, I'm sending out ripples with my anger rock. But if you come along with your big love boulder and you throw it in, your love ripples will cancel out my anger ripples. The biggest frequency and vibration always wins. And that's where what we want to do ideally is increase our vibration and frequency. We want to focus on things that have more power as opposed to force. And that's good old Newtonian physics. Force, counterforce. Anger generally creates more anger. And one of my favourite sayings is like, you know, anger knocked at the door, love answered, no one was there, is a great illustration of that point. Because realistically... My life is dependent on the frequency and vibration that I'm in. If I'm focused on love as much as I possibly can be, then I'm not giving anyone any power out there. Like if the source of my happiness is within myself, yeah. then I'm the controller of my experience. So is it in the book David Hawkins wrote with the map of consciousness that we find numbers? Like, cause that Correct. was the thing. I'm a Correct. numbers guy. Like, yeah, dude. Okay. So, <laughs> I, so I think that's why it's thing. like when it comes to feelings and stuff, it's like, I can't figure it out. But when you started like talking about numbers and figures, ah, I was good. like, Oh, I can figure out my emotions. Okay. Now. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. So, so there's a, he actually um, wrote, he, he did a PhD so he could have more credence in the world. And basically, his PhD dissertation is in the book Power Versus Force. Um, it's a cracking book. It's challenging. The first half of the book is quite challenging to get into because there's a lot of mathematics and science associated with it, but it gives the reader the understanding or the background of why this stuff works. Uh, and there's another book that he's written called Truth Versus Falsehood, which literally goes into thousands and thousands of calibrations where you can actually see what the calibration of your country is. You can see the calibration of, um, you know, Marxism versus communism versus, you know, anything. Like, it, it, is, it is phenomenal. Like, anything you, you've got a question for, they've literally done a test. And if you can't find the answer, we, we can actually do a simple muscle test. Anyone can. And you can find out what the answer is. One of my favorite books, though, of all time is his book called Letting Go, where it goes into the detail of how to let go of stress. And more often than not, we hold on to stuff so much and we literally need to find a way to you know, 
feel our feelings. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's I think what connected with me when you were giving that presentation was like, I was making a connection with how I can figure out my emotions yeah. and feelings and stressors and stuff. Yeah. beautiful. Um, and just on the numbers, uh, bro. So picture this scale, everyone, where you got naught and a thousand. A thousand is the highest vibration that we've ever had in, in the human. So then if you're at fear, fear is a hundred dollars. Then anger is at 150. So if a person's fearful, you know, think about your, your life, wherever you are on the planet, think about what you do, especially as a personal trainer. If a person's fearful, actually getting them to anger is a positive experience. Even though anger isn't a positive emotion, anger is $150 versus fear at 100. It's more currency. It's a higher value. Mm -hmm. So sometimes if a person's in depression or apathy, then we want to raise them to anger. That's great. Get angry at the weight. Get angry at the weight. Smash it. Right. You know, provided they're doing good form and technique and all that <laughs> stuff, but literally have at it. Yeah, but yeah. if a person's vibrating at love, anger isn't even isn't even part of their vocabulary. Yeah, that's powerful. So do you have framework that you help people with when you do this? Like, do you have like steps like... Like we're going to focus on it. Like, I don't know. Is there like a program for that? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, um, and part of the, part of my, part of my deal and, and COVID's been a real, uh, a real blessing for me where my whole experience with my wife and my kids and my business is, is all about just, you know, sharing as much love as we possibly can and making the world a better place. So, I've been working one-on-one -on -one with people in a clinical setting now for 12 years, and it's been phenomenal. It's been awesome, but it's very limited in scope, and I'm literally working with one person at a time. And, yeah, like I've been asked a while, for a while now, you know, how can I learn more and do more and that sort of thing? And that's where my goal and focus now is to, is to literally show people how easy this is. So, so. You know, one of my strengths is taking a complex thing and just making it really simple. There's people that are far smarter than me and all that sort of stuff, but, but I love taking a, a complex thing, making it super simple so that we can apply it today. So now my journey is about getting the content online where I can then share a simple technique about an emotional stress release or switching on the brain or consciousness itself or how to let go, where... Yeah, the focus is literally to show people how to use these really simple tools to ease your suffering or someone else's suffering that you love and care for to literally make the world a better place. Bring your vibrations up. 100%. 100%. How do we do that? One of the other things that's quite interesting is that so many people, and we've all said it, and you've all heard people that say this, I want to get better. Hey, Lucas, I want to do the splits. Hey, Lucas, I want to do that. Great. Wantingness as an energy is actually 125 on that map of consciousness. You know, I want to. Great. Willingness is 310. And there's a massive distinction here. I want to get better. Brilliant. Okay, what are you willing to do to get better? That's the difference. Everyone wants stuff. But are you willing to do what is required in order to create that result? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a key one for anyone that's, you know, trainer or coach out there. Like, it is about getting 
before it is about getting someone to a certain amount of reps or strength. It's, it's about getting them to a point of actually being willing to do it. And we're lucky okay. when we have them come in, they're already willing. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. Those tools that we can have to now move someone from wanting to willing is like now looking at vibrations and how we can maybe, you know, use some of these emotional stress releases and exactly things like that. Like, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And this is where it's really interesting too. So you look at any sport, you, I mean, uh, golf, I, one of the things that I love in each golf tournament, there's 150 players roughly. Uh, after Friday, uh, Thursday, Friday, it's cut down to 75. Of those 75, only one can win. Uh, let's look at the NFL. Let's look at the NBA. Let's look at the NHL. It doesn't matter what sport it is, even local competition. You might have 10, 15, 20, 50, 50 teams in a conference. Only one team will win. So one of the things that's really interesting, everyone has the goal, I want to win. But only one team is willing to do everything it possibly can in order to win. And that's one of the biggest uh, differences, especially when, especially when we're looking at, you know, consciousness and vibration. It's like the higher the consciousness, then the greater we, ha- we are uh, at serving other people. When we're low with our frequency and vibration, we're literally self-absorbed. And the term that's been bandied around a lot these days is narcissistic. So it's like we're involved in what they call emergency emotions. It's all about me. And as your consciousness grows and you evolve as a person, all of a sudden my head's out of my bum now and I start to think about other people and how I can make their lives better. And then as our consciousness grows, then all of a sudden I go from focusing on, you know, my small little circle to a bigger circle. So if you're right now, whoever you are, wherever you are in the world, if you're looking after 5, 10, 50, 100 people, so your consciousness is growing because you're now looking after more people. And then if we go to the extreme in consciousness, Jesus, Krishna, Buddha, whichever you follow, it doesn't matter. But these people were concerned with easing the suffering of mankind and their lessons are still around 2,000 years later. So instead of focusing on myself where I'm so inept, I cannot think about someone else, we then grow in consciousness where we're literally concerned about the welfare of every single person on planet Earth. And a great example for me is, is as a father, and for all the parents out there and soon-to-be parents out there, it's crazy. Like, you think you know what love is, and then you look at the little squishy bundle that's just come out, and all of a sudden you realise what love is. It's awesome. Yeah. Now, picture loving every person on planet Earth the same way you love your kids. Yeah. Like, that's one of, that's one of, my, that's one of my goals. And it's like, if we can have that feeling, how much better would planet Earth be? Yeah, for sure. If we can teach people how to learn that, how to do right. that. Yeah. Right. And that's where with that map of consciousness, we basically have the steps that are involved. Um, now, I've been studying this uh, probably for 22, 23 years now, the, mm-hmm. the whole consciousness thing. Man, I love it. And the whole, the whole deal is to make it as simple as we possibly can. Yeah. You know, it's just literally a smile makes us strong. Yeah. You know, just, just smile. Just, you know, thank you. And I find too, like, you know, meditation is quite hard and challenging where mm-hmm. it takes us out of the world. Like I can't meditate when I drive my car. I can't meditate when I'm at work. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, in order to meditate and be mindful, then it takes me out of the routine of life. Mm-hmm. So I find there's a, there's, I find what's worked better for me is contemplation. Like pick one spiritual principle, it doesn't matter what it is, and contemplate it. And what that means is like literally pick forgiveness, for example. And when we pick forgiveness, then just apply that to everyone and everything where, you know, with forgiveness, we like where my office is, I overlook the street. And it's like I just see people walking up and down and I've got no idea what's going on in their life. But I just think, man, if there's anything you've ever done where you just don't feel good about yourself, I forgive you for doing that, brother. It's okay. Where it, it, it doesn't cost me anything in saying that, feeling it or anything. And for a small moment in time, that person now tests strong. And it's like I'm not trying to change them or anything like that. I'm literally saying, hey, Lucas, if there's anything you've ever done where you felt bad, man, I forgive you, brother. It seemed like a good idea at the time. It's all good. <laughs> Every single person that's listening here, I know we've done dumb crap in the past. I forgive yeah. you for doing it. It's all good. I love you. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah, it's a powerful tool to have and be able to, you know, practice. And it, it's practice, right? It's something that you don't just do. Like you have to practice it. You have to be disciplined with it. You have to consciously write it down. Like something I'm going to continue doing and um, same way you do with training. Sort of. Sort of. I find uh, in in life we have having or being, doing, and having. So what's really interesting is that we want to have the car. We want to have the body. We want to have the money. We want to have the education. So what's really interesting is that that havingness is the end goal. And I think before we start anything, it's great to start at the end because then that gives us a focus and a direction. But then we go back a little bit and we go, who or what do I need to do in order to have that? So, for example, I come to you and I go, "Hey, I want to be, I want to be sh- shredded, Lucas." And you go, "Right, great goal. Okay, this is what you need to do. You need to do this, 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 and this." Okay, sweet. So now I've got the plan. Who do I need to be though in order to do that? In order to have that. So I find, like in answer to your response before, is like realistically, consciousness and life is actually super, super simple. Shakespeare had it right all those years ago, to be or not to be. Everything we do, we're actually making a choice. Everything we do, we're certain. So I've got a goal in mind right now where my goal is working with Rory McElroy. So I'm certain of that. Now, I could also be certain in not doing that too. But either way, there's certainty. So you think of any goal that we have, we can be certain in achieving it. We can be certain in not achieving it. Either way, we're still certain. The idea before we do anything is who should you be? Who are you deciding to be? And then all of a sudden, the doing and the having are really, really simple. So instead of thinking that I need to uh, write it down, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, like I think they're all great tools. Make it simpler. Just be a loving person. Just be a happy person. I guarantee you're going to be challenged. That's okay. When you are challenged, how are you going to be? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it too. So, and then, 
you know, this, this podcast does have a heavy focus on flexibility and improving, you know, range of strength and, uh, going even deeper with that is like, you know, we, we had, uh, the first call we had together, we, we talked a lot about the consciousness and the vibration levels and stuff. And then we started working on some brainstorming ideas about like what you're working on with regards to like hypertonic muscles and fight or flight response and how we can basically just manipulate certain areas of the body to improve flexibility and, and release all these emotions, like these stressors. And, uh, that would be cool to, uh, talk a little bit about around that stuff and maybe even get into some of the muscles and, you know, the, yeah. the framework you were telling me. It's- yeah. Cool. Cool. So realistically speaking, we haven't actually evolved much since caveman times. Yeah. Like, you know, we're, we're still stuck in the, in the, in the, in the caveman era. So realistically speaking, we've got four major systems. You know, we've got a lot more than that. You can look at anatomy and physiology book, but we've got four major systems. The first system we have is a fight or flight response. Holy crap, there's a lion, there's a tiger. The second system we have is digestion, like literally from the, the mouth to the backside. The third system we have is reproduction. The fourth system we have is immune system. So I can have people coming into the clinic. They can have digestive issues. They can have reproduction problems. They can have an immune system issue. But what's really interesting here is if you're in the fight or flight response being chased by a lion or a tiger, it's not the time to digest food. We're going to put all our focus, energy, and intention on getting away. Life preservation. So who cares about digesting food? Blood goes away from that to the muscles to go. Now, what's really interesting, in the concrete jungle, we would be a crappy caveman if we actually put our tent next door to the lion's den. But in the concrete jungle, we are crappy cavemen because all of a sudden we're having 10, 15, 20 life or death experiences every single day with bills, with you know relationship issues, with boss, with travel, with road rage. So then... What's really interesting is that the body just reacts as though it's a stress. It has no idea whether it's big stress, little stress, adrenals get smashed. And in the, in the, in the actual jungle, what would happen is that, you know, and you think about this, everyone's got, not everyone, I shouldn't say that, people have sleep issues. Now, if we put our tent right next to the lion's den, how well are you going to sleep? Not very well. I'm tossing and turning at nighttime. I'm never getting into my deep sleep. I wake up exhausted. Right, how many people are doing that? Well, realistically, in the concrete jungle, your bed's right next to a lion's den. If you're not getting a good sleep, then, you know, maybe we should look at the stress responses. Right. If we go and walk 35 miles away, one, walking burns up the adrenaline all the cortisol and all that type of thing. And then all of a sudden, if we're miles and miles and miles away from the lion, how much better are we going to sleep? We're not worried about the leaves being trod on and the sticks breaking and all that sort of stuff. Now we're getting deep sleep. Mm-hmm. So you and focus then, on fight or flight. Correct. Correct. Over the other. Correct. So what's really interesting, so someone can come into the clinic and they've got a digestive reproduction or an immune issue. I will get them out of the fight or flight response first. And Mm -hmm. then once we've done that, then we can see if there's anything else. So when you're running away from a lion or tiger, it's not the time to digest food. When you're running away from a lion or tiger, it's not the time to reproduce. When you're running away from a lion or tiger, it's not the time to heal or get better. 
So I find once we get the person out of the fight or flight response, then we can actually look at and work out what's happening in the other systems. Now, this is a cool fact. I love useless things that are awesome, but this is kind of an, an applicable one for everyone listening. Your big toe. So wherever you are, apart from if you're in the car, don't do this, but stand up. Grab the ground with your big toe. You'll notice your weight will come slightly forwards. Your calves will tighten up and then you'll be really still. You'll get a little bit bigger, but you'll get really still. This is actually the first stage of stress. The flexor hallucis longus will grab the ground, get tight. That's, that's stress response one. Number two is the gastrocnemius will get tight. And the third is the masseter right in the jaw, that'll get strong. And then when they switch on, it's basically I'm ready to run, I'm ready to jump, I'm ready to stay still, I'm ready to fight. Like that is literally us in the fight or flight response. So if you think about um, like chicks, or, or sorry, I shouldn't just limit it to females, but if you think about anyone wearing high heels, then they're always constantly in that, you know, fight or flight response. Right. So then one of the first muscles for me to work on is, is flexor hallucis longus. Right. And, you know, I actually think that's one of the greatest keys to strengthen and, and uh, overhead pressing ability is literally grabbing the ground with your big toe and then pushing because you're, you're literally activating the primitive reflexes within the body. So it all starts there. Yep. And then what, what do you do with the jaw? Like... To ah, people to relax the jaw. Yeah, that's interesting. So there's also something called bruxism. Yeah. Now, bruxism is literally clenching of the teeth. Generally, we do it at the night time, and we actually do that when we're in a defense response. So what we'll do is we'll clench our teeth. <laughs> and the reason why we clench our teeth is so I can take a hit and a punch. Yeah. Like it's all survival. Everything's always survival-based. So one of the things I find too is that when we're in a survival situation, our jaw will be tight, our neck will be tight. So now what I actually do, one of the protocols I, I uh, do in clinic is I actually help a person to release their masseter temporalis and lateral pterygoid on the other side and masseter temporalis, lateral pterygoid. And by releasing those three and in different, you know, twisting mechanisms, all of a sudden we can get a person out of a defense response. And for the first time in quite a long time, their neck is reduced ridiculously loose and as a massage therapist i used to treat the neck absolutely but the neck gets tight as an effect not a cause generally the neck will get tight because the jaw's tight and what's really really interesting is that once the person is out of the defense response all of a sudden their mind switches off when we're defensive we're thinking of strategies and contingencies we're looking for exits we're judging the trees and how tall they are to make sure we can get away from the line when we're out of the defense response, instantly we get more flexible. So I'll actually do a before and after leg stretch. And I've had people improve with abduction of the of one of the legs by, you know, go from say 30 degrees to 90 degrees in, a, in like literally 10, 15 minutes. Because all of a sudden they're no longer defensive. If we're not defensive, we don't have to keep the body tight. We're keeping the body tight so we can run, we can jump, we can get away. Now, if we look at consciousness, the more loving, the more accepting, the more peaceful, the more forgiving we are, the more we're naturally 
out of the defense response. And the way to look at that medically speaking is the more loving we are, the more anabolic we are. Anabolic builds up. The more tight we are, the more catabolic we are, the lower our consciousness is. And I've got a lovely little acronym here for when you've got a hypertonic muscle, a muscle with too much uh, tension, it's power, P-W-R. Power, when you're hypertonic, you, you have decreased power, but it means you've got pain, you've got weakness, and you've got a decreased range of motion. So if, if anyone's in pain, they've got a hypertonic muscle. If anyone's got any weakness anywhere in the body, there's a hypertonic muscle. If anyone's got a restricted range of motion, they've got a hypertonic muscle. Yeah. So then I'd be I'd be saying do some ridiculously awesome protocols like yours, my good man. <laughs> and I'd be saying get as happy and carefree as you possibly can. You know, be as loving and look at ways to increase your consciousness and vibration. And if you don't yeah. have the time to to invest in it, you know, look for mentors that can help you and guide you in your path. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was having a. Uh conversation with another coach the other day just about that like sometimes we as coaches we sabotage ourselves like that or other people do that too where they're just like always looking for the answers and they're not actually just like looking at one answer and studying it and spending some time on it um and if like that's how everything works you don't just like get the answer and okay that's the answer you know it's like this is an answer and it's going to require some study, some discipline, some time, right? And that's like yep. a big part of the flexibility training component is like there's a lot of things that work, but you got to pick one for it to work. Great. Great. <laughs> like, you know, and with the teacher training I'm doing right now, it's like I'm just presenting a lot of different things and different types of ways of doing it, but it's like well, we got to actually pick a way that we're yeah. going to do this and we got to do it for a long period of time. Agreed. And that's where I find too, a lot of the times people have 47 windows open in their brain. Yeah. So it's like when we've got our attention on so many different things, all of a sudden it makes it so challenging to focus. And that's where, once again, we get mental clutter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's nothing better than, uh, you know, you, you're, you're holding a stretch. All of a sudden, anything you've done today, if you're if you're holding a, a quite a quite a strong pancake or or whatever's challenging to you, you know when you're in that moment, all of a sudden it's like you get that really finite concentration, and you know that's that to me is one of the, the greatest joys in life, where all of a sudden we can focus on one thing instead of lots of things. You know, and I think one of the one of the things we need to to do is to like I've got. You've got 100% of my attention right now, Lucas. You are the most important person on planet Earth right now out of the eight or nine billion people because you're here, brother. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't dismiss my wife or my kids or anything like that because now they've popped into my mind. I can still send them love. But it's like if we think about, you know, what's literally in front of us and this is the most important thing right now for me. And <laughs> then we keep going and we keep going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you... Uh... You always do that where you put me, you put that pause in when I'm talking to you and you get me thinking. That's good. I hope the <laughs> listeners, hope the oh, listeners bro, I, love this. I love this so much, man. <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. So um, 
there's some other areas of the body though too right like yeah. the jaw the flexor lucis longus and like where's like we're we're talking we're moving up the chain now from the quads like where mm. how are we gonna look outside the box a little bit more here and just hold yeah that's side. that's awesome so so one of the things for me it's like you know good old uh jefferson curl man i i love you know it's all well and good to stretch in isolation but i love like real compound movements as well and and being a being an absolute health nut for me and it's like you know the reason why i'm a health nut is i love you know the experience of life and, and right now we're a spirit living in a lump of meat but it's like how can we honor the lump of meat so we can have more spiritual experiences and that's where a simple thing like a Jefferson curl helps the body to function in the most optimal way. And it's something that, you know, certain people will be good at it, you know, straight away, but you can't be brilliant at it straight away. And that's what I love about it. You know, it requires some dedication and discipline. And with the Jefferson curl, if we look at the hamstrings, for example, the hamstrings in Chinese medicine actually relate to, in kinesiology, relate to the large intestine. So if someone's continually pulling their hamstring, they've actually got a bowel issue. And if we look at, you know, what, what function the actual large intestine is, it's getting rid of the crap in our life. You know, so we could literally say, what are people holding on to that we need to let go of? Mm-hmm. The quadratus lumborum, they also relate to the large intestine. The psoas muscle relates to the kidneys. So depending on where a person has an issue is depending on, you know, what problem they can potentially have. So psoas is a, is a massively interesting one where I find a lot of people, you know, we just don't drink water these days. And, and not that we have to saturate our body, but one of the simplest things is, you know, uh, in theory, we can go without food for, say, 30 or 40 days. We can go without water for four or five days. We can go without breathing for five or six minutes. Um, and there's the cerebrospinal fluid. It's five or six seconds. So from the perspective of the body and the way the body works, like water is more important than food but what's more important than water it's breathing and what's more important than breathing it's actually the cerebrospinal fluid moving and the cerebrospinal fluid is actually pumped with the sacrum and there's certain muscles involved like the flexor uh, flexor hallucis um the the gastroxyleus psoas etc diaphragm all of these muscles help the cerebrospinal fluid move and when it like it will always move and and this is where it's really interesting from a pathology perspective the sacrum literally pumps and when that gets stuck all of a sudden the sacroiliac joints and the ilium will do a job to keep the fluid pumping up around the brain and the spinal cord and then when that gets stuck all of a sudden the vertebrae l5 s1 now they have to move to keep the fluid moving around the brain and the spinal cord and when that gets tired and fatigued we'll blow a disc so generally speaking, the disc pop is actually the body's way of keeping the cerebrospinal fluid moving. So then from my perspective, what we want to do is we want to do everything we possibly can to keep the body nice and healthy and loose and supple. But we can't have the flexible body and a rigid mind. It's incongruent. And all we can do is be consistent in our life. So a great way to think about it is that if you are really stuck physically, guess what? You're stuck emotionally too. But if you are seeing progress physically, guess what? All of a sudden the crap that wasn't bothering or was bothering you isn't bothering you anymore. It's like ultimately we want to be as resilient as we possibly can to life 
and we can do that by being loving, absolutely. But I also think, you know, bringing it back to the podcast with regards to, you know, strength and range of motion, how much range of motion do I have in a particular muscle? But also how much emotional range do I have in my life? You know, how rigid and stuck am, am I in my positionalities? How stuck am I with my mother-in-law? Sorry. <laughs> how, how stuck am I in my job? Yeah. And it's like, you know, how can I be more flexible with my job? How can I be more flexible with my mother-in-law? How can I be more flexible with my body? Yeah. Looking outside of just yeah. flexibility. Yeah. 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 And, and, it's, and that's where it's a, what they call a symbiotic relationship where they really help one another. Yeah. You know, I think it's super important to have great protocols. And that's why I resonate with you so much, Lucas. Like, man, I, I love your work. I really do. And, and the, the protocols that you have and the way that you look at the body, man, it, and I've said this to you before, I, I love it. And it's some of the best stuff I've ever seen. And then we overlay on top of that, you know, a few emotional techniques that are super simple to do. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, we've got emotional health, we've got spiritual health, but we've got body health too. Hmm. And before we go out and do all the hit stuff and the CrossFits and all that type of stuff, which, which is great training, we must have a lump of meat that's going to serve us for the rest of our life. And we don't know how long that's going to be. So the best thing we can do is, is, you know, be as flexible in body, mind and spirit as we possibly can. Because the more flexibility we have, then the greater mm, external forces we can tolerate. Right. Yeah, that's cool. Our to ability to, yeah, our ability to absorb force increases, which means we get less injured. Right. The key. Yeah. Yeah. And I get to experience life more. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and ultimately, as a spirit having a lump of meat experience, how can I enjoy this life more? How can I get more out of this life? How can I be of more service to others? Yeah, for sure. So, do you prescribe a frequency for doing some of these things? Like, does there like does there some kind of like framework where it's like you're gonna do it every day until some things happen and then you don't kind of thing? Yeah, it's it comes back down to that a willingness. Okay. Where the more willing we are, then it becomes a lifestyle. So if we're an accepting person, if we're a forgiving person, if we're a, a an understanding person, then all of a sudden. What's really interesting is that our muscles become softer almost instantaneously. So, you know, wherever you are, once again, use this as a metaphor. When you have a client or a person that's really, really stuck in their ways, do a, do a forward bend, do a toe touch. They won't be able to touch their toes. If they're super rigid and stuck in their life, they won't be able to touch their toes. Mark on their shin with a texter, with a Sharpie, how far they went down. Then there's a really simple uh, technique. Um, where it's called an emotional stress release. Put the hand on the forehead, think about the stress in their life and just literally go through that. And then by going through that, they're now becoming intellectual about it instead of emotional. And then just get them to process it. You know, it could be a couple of minutes, three or four minutes, whatever. And then by doing that, they're now decreasing their muscle, muscle tension, decreasing their hypertonicity and then redo the stretch. You haven't even stretched them, but you've, you've decreased the emotional intensity and all of a sudden they're more flexible. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a powerful way too because it's a great metaphor for life where you know the more flexible we are with the mind, the more flexible we are with the body. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like recognizing that the stress is there. Yeah. And, yep. And, yeah. and don't get me wrong. Sometimes there's a lump of meat issue. You know, going back to that triangle of health that we mentioned at the start with the equilateral triangle where we've got structural, emotional, and nutritional. Don't think I'm just the emotional guy where everything's emotional. Let's just talk about it and sing Kumbaya. Literally, it could just be a structural problem because you rolled your ankle. Now, we could say, what were you thinking when you rolled your ankle? And that may have been a precipitating factor. Or, you know, a couple of the ankle muscles relate to the bladder. Is there a bladder issue? Is there any fear and anxiety? Or I just rolled my bloody ankle. <laughs> like, it, you know, it could literally just be a structural problem. It may not, but it could be. And that's where I find it, that, you know, the, the, the more tools you have in your toolkit, then the greater the greater relax and release you'll get with a person. If um, so, just going off the, <laughs> off the, the reservation, off a little bit here. But if you did have a chance to work with uh, Rory McIlroy, what would what, from what you've seen him do? Yes. Or as an athlete, what he does, like what would you present him with? Like as you know, let's start here. Like yeah. Dude, I love this question. And um, so, so from my perspective, with certainty, uh, if I get the opportunity to work with him, I'm just going to just change that personally. It's like when I work with him. <laughs> um, so the whole idea with that is, um, so I've been doing a study, and, and I just love consciousness. I love the way it works. I love, I love just learning. And you know, I've got this fascination with golf. So, so in November last year, I just started. You know, when the US Masters was on post pandemic. Uh, I just started watching the U.S. Masters, and I watched a few interviews, and I, I was just listening to some of the some of the things that he was saying. And then I went back over all of his interviews that he's ever done at the U.S. Masters. And at one stage, um, he was actually leading with nine holes to go, and then had a big meltdown. And as a result of having that meltdown, then since then, uh, his consciousness has basically gone downhill. Now, in order to achieve that success, we need a higher consciousness. And a consciousness basically is focusing on, you know, love, uh, health, happiness, well-being. So, for example, looking at Rory, uh, the way he's languaging his press conferences now is, I hope to. It would be nice to. Uh, it's never your opportunity to succeed. Uh, just recently, he was his first tournament this year. He was leading uh, with one round to go, and he and the interviewer said, "Oh, it's your time to win." And he, his response back to the interviewer was, "It's never your turn." I'm like, "Bro, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, that shouldn't even be part of your consciousness." And what's really interesting, if you have a motivation that your your achievements is actually for a higher purpose then all of a sudden you've got a greater reason and rationale and understanding and, and a greater frequency and vibration and a bigger rock going into the pond of life. So there's bigger ripples. So then all of a sudden you're more than likely to succeed yeah. because everyone in the golf tournament wants to win, wants to, wanting 125, it's desire. But how many people are willing to focus on things? Right. And this is where it's really interesting where, you know, my my success and my winning and my ability is is literally a way to showcase people my my skills and gifts. It's also a way to liberate other people's souls. If I can achieve, so can you. It gives people permission to achieve success because you have. 
But then if we have a higher motivation and say, you know, literally I'm playing because I love it. I literally love it. I love everything I've ever been through, even the bad, because I'm the person I am today because of my failures. Then all of a sudden that has a completely different consciousness. And then if he's playing golf because of his ability, and then how can I share that ability with others? How can I make the world a better place? How can I use the money that I've earned to do a Rory McIlroy foundation, et cetera, et cetera? So then the more successful I am, the more successful I can be in the world, and the more successful I can be in the world, then the greater impact I can have. So all of a sudden, it's like when you start seeing athletes say, I'm an activist, shut up. Like if someone else calls you an activist, that's awesome. You just play. You just do the best you can possibly can be. Another great example for me is is Tiger Woods. Mm. You know, he was so certain that he was going to win, like so certain. And it's like when you win the US Masters, you win the green jacket and you get to keep that green jacket for 12 months. So when when Tiger won in 2019, he got to keep the green jacket. And because of the the coronavirus, he actually kept it for 18 months. And then he'd have these little putting tournaments with his son in the backyard. Now, what's really interesting is that in all the early interviews, I'm here to win is what he'd say. I'm here to win. I'm here to win. And he was just so certain. And then his winning record and rate was ridiculous. And everyone was almost beaten before they even started because he had such an aura and a presence. And then his son actually said to him, I can't wait to do this again. And Tiger said in an interview, and I've got the exact moment because it just, like, as soon as you say something, you catch it, and then you send that out to the universe, and the universe has to give you back what you've, what you've asked for. He said in the interview, I don't know if I'll ever have it again, mate. He's giving up. Right. So then instantly, and then I read just recently, he's having another back surgery. So then, you know, using using Tiger as an example now, he's been through some indiscretions and that's okay. Like, bro, we all stuff up, but it's like that's stored in his body. So coming back to flexibility, if we've got all this anger and resentment and all this type of stuff from, you know, indiscretions, then all of a sudden that's going to impact our ability to perform at an elite level. Yeah. Anything that's preventing our success, picture it like a brick underneath the accelerator i can push on it as hard as i want to but my my ability to utilize my nervous system is compromised based on my inability to access it so and this is where it's this is where success is really really simple one you have to have an ability like rory tiger they've got ability coming out their backside because they've studied it for so long but everyone on the u.s tour or whatever competition that you're in has ability at the elite level everyone is good and, you know, one of my great mates, um, Brett Rumford, uh, he's, a, he's a, a European tour player. And he was telling me that too, is that every single person has ability. You, you can't be a dud and play, but there's, there's ability and then there's just freakish ability. But when we're, at that, when we're at that level, with everyone being good, what separates the people is our consciousness. You know, how much do I love this? Because if you miss a putt, oh, that frustration is going to tighten your muscles because it's below 200 and then it's a negative emotion. So all of a sudden, now that negative emotion is a, is a rock being thrown into the pond of life and that's sending out negative ripples. So then, you know, not if, but when we choose willingness, choice, when we choose 
to be more loving, more caring, more compassionate, then all of a sudden, you know, we can have a, a greater ability to, you know, create the life and the lifestyle that is in our dreams. Flexibility. <laughs> right. Bingo, brother. Bingo. I love that. Yeah. And that is so true. It is so true. Because once again, am I flexible in my body and my mind? You know, and when we do have that flexibility, when we do have that ability to adapt and overcome, you know, our life is better. So, so I would actually encourage everyone to try and get a, uh, you know, chest to floor pancake. Mm-hmm. Why not? Because, because not only are you improving physically, but then you're also improving, in, improving emotionally and spiritually. Mm-hmm. And anyone that has flexibility you've 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 earned it and and you you and it's the person you become in that journey that's important brother and sisters out there <laughs> you know the purpose of the goal is who we become along the way yeah definitely that's why we take it Exactly, exactly. And that's yeah. one of the things that um, just to just to illustrate the conversation that I had with Lucas recently and, and we were talking like what's the one important thing with any training program? And this is what I love about you, Lucas. Enjoyment <laughs> was your number one thing. Yeah. And it's so important. Like if you're not enjoying it, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> well, I made the always 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 I was just saying, I made a post about that the other day because I was talking to a guy in the gym. He was asking me about flexibility and, we were, and he's strength training. He loves strength training. Like who doesn't get stronger, right? It's easy. Yep. You get stronger. I mean, yep. even if you don't know what you're doing, you still get stronger. Exactly. Um, but we were talking about flexibility and I was like, if you aren't getting flexible, why are you going to con- continue doing it? Right? Yep. So that's, yep. yeah, problem to solve for sure is like show people how they can get flexible 100%. and they'll find 100%. that enjoyment. Yeah. Yeah. And I find too, I find too, mate, is that, um, you know, the, the strength training is very yang. Hmm. Yang is very masculine. Rah, come on. Rah. And, and, you know, the, the, the flexibility and gentleness is very yin. Hmm. And we have such a yang lifestyle these days. Um, and I find it's like, you know, uh, go, 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 right. Now do a hit class. Go, 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 right. Now uh, go home, be your dad, be your wife, be your mum. Go, go, go. Yeah. Flop into bed, exhausted. Get up. Go, go, go. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it's like, you know, sometimes we just need to calm down. Like, I mean, you kick my ass on more than one occasion <laughs> in, a, in, a, in, a, in a really positive way where, yeah. You know, some of your techniques, man, are quite intense. I remember the first time I did the range of sprint, you know, I was quite unconditioned because I've been focusing down the this rabbit hole and all of a sudden it's like, right, I've got to honour the lump of meat and get training again. I'm literally doing like a 15, 20-minute stretching program, people. And I'm huffing and puffing. And I'm <laughs> – my wife comes into the shed in my gym and she's like, what the hell are you doing? And I'm like, stretching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so now I, it's, it's i'm glad to say that it's uh, i've improved a little bit which is yeah. kind of awesome uh and i'm not the the dying leopard that i once was <laughs> <laughs> i think that's a piece that i think brings people to the realizing it's like you gotta have a some conditioning or some foundation before we 
you know, stretch too hard. That's kind of the piece there too. Exactly. But, yeah, exactly. That's and that's, awesome. and that, and to be honest, brother, that's the, that's the purpose of a coach. Yeah. Oi, Dick, pull your head out. Like, you know, <laughs> don't go so hard. Calm down. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's taken you decades to get this bad with your shoulders. Yeah. Chill. What's the rush? Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I've got to get there. For what? Yeah. There's no stretching in the Olympics. <laughs> but if you can't stretch, your performance in the Olympics will be crap. Yeah. And that's the that's the thing is like, you know, it's not necessarily the sexy stuff. It's not necessarily the glamorous stuff. And technically, it's not the stuff that you'll do that will, you know, help you to become a better runner. But it will help you to become a better runner. You know, it's not necessarily the thing that's going to make you hit the ball better, but it will help you hit the ball better. Like, you still need to do your sport. You still need to do your activity. But but I always think about neurology. Neurology is the nervous system. And it's like, in order for me to be more coordinated at anything that I do, I need to have better access to my nervous system. How do I do that? Make sure all my muscles are firing properly. And once again, if I can't hold a position statically or with strength or anything like that, then my ability to command my nervous system or access my nervous system is, you know, restricted. Mm -hmm. So, and that's, uh, yeah, and, and that's where I find so much of this stuff is overlapped. You know, you can't be a good strength athlete if you're not flexible. You can't be, you know, there's, there's so many people that just do flexibility, but they have no ability to control ranges of movement. Right. You know, they're, they're both equal parts of the puzzle. Yeah. You know, yeah, I can do ring muscle-ups and I can get out the top. That's great. But at the top of the ring muscle-up, do you externally rotate your arms to strengthen the brachialis? And, and you know, when we're doing wads and all that sort of stuff in the CrossFit box and doing, a you know, muscle-up after muscle-up on the rings, great. But it's like you're not competing then. So if you're not competing, it should be quality training. And the quality training is looking at strengthening every single joint we possibly can. Yeah. And then save the competition for the competition. Who gives a crap if you did well on a Tuesday? Like, big deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's part of the process is being, you know, being happy to go in and just move. Yeah. And, you know, and one of the things that I encourage people, especially the gym owners out there, yeah. literally get a bucket or a box and put it at the front door. And it's like, tell every single person that comes into your gym, put your ego in it. Yeah. Ego box. <laughs> If you pick it up on the way out, feel no one does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ego box. Eventually, chuck it out because it's going to be so full of egos. <laughs> yeah. Get a new box, but hopefully, yeah, over yeah. time, your gym gets a smaller box and you don't need one. Yeah. Um, where uh, where can our listeners get more from you, Darren? If they were to oh, check you out after the podcast. Yeah, man, I I really appreciate that. So so I've got a, a couple of Instagrams. Uh, but basically where I post all of my information with regards to, you know, consciousness and flexibility and just, just, you know, learning and understanding it's the underscore evolution underscore project underscore. The and evolution yeah, project. Yeah. The evolution project. Um, and then I've got a, a website, which is uh, learn.mpe.online. And there I actually do courses and I teach people about the emotional stress release. I teach people about switching on the brain. And to be honest, the switching on the brain is one of my favorite products so far because it looks at how to get the most out of the body. 
Like if you're teaching a kid how to spell, if you're teaching a kid how to learn, if you're a, an adult trying to learn a new skill, whether it's, you know, putting or free throws or anything like that, you want your brain switched on. So that's where juggling is great, but we can actually use these acupuncture points on the body in a particular way, especially with eye motion, and all of a sudden it lights up the left and right hemispheres. So my ultimate goal now is to put all these really, really simple uh, techniques or all these simple little things that we can do to increase our ability to cope with life. So my whole goal now is to literally help people to ease their suffering and everyone else's suffering that they come into contact with. If you never use these on someone else, that's fine. But if you can share these with other people, man, that'd be awesome. The ultimate goal for me is to ease people's suffering, literally make the world a better place. And, you know, one of my favourite quotes or, or catch lines is to love everyone and everything, including yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's like we spend so much time and effort and energy, you know, on helping everyone else. But anyone that's ever been on a plane knows if you don't put your oxygen on first, you know, you can't help anyone if you're dead. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, you know, definitely fill up your own, definitely fill up your own tank. Don't be selfish with it, but literally love everyone and everything, including yourself. Mm-hmm. So just have that in the back of your mind when you're living your life today, anyone, wherever you are. <laughs> just how can I get more out of my life? How can I love more? How can I learn more? How can I be more? And yes, do it outside, but also do it inside too. Like, how can I love me more? What do I need to do to nourish my soul? And maybe it's in some chips or maybe it's not. And even if you do stuff up, or should I say when you stuff up, because stuffing up is a part of life, don't give yourself anger and grief and make yourself guilty and depressed because now you've got a stack of crap you need to work through. Realise you've stuffed up. Oops, seemed like a good idea at the time. Don't wait till Monday to start fresh. Start fresh now. If and when you stuff up again, it's all good. Get off your own back. Forgive yourself. Accept that you're stuffed up. It seemed like a good idea at the time. Move on. Do the best you possibly can. Yeah, that's great, man. Well, thank you for uh, taking the time to sit down with me and talk, brother. That was that's a great one. I'm excited to go back and listen through it again. Take a few more notes. Yeah, (laughs) that's awesome. It's powerful stuff and. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I, I'm a massive, massive, massive fan of your work, Lucas. So thank you very much for... Appreciate it, brother. Thank you for just putting it out there. And, you know, this is this is literally... I absolutely love this and I love connecting with like-minded individuals and people that are literally focused on, on doing the best they can personally, but also doing the best they can to help other people. That's right. So if there's, a, if there's a parting thing for me with all the listeners, it's literally how can we help other people in their journey you know whether it's um you're in line and you just go yep one coffee actually take two and pass that on to someone else like you know how can we share our wealth how can we share our knowledge how can we do everything we possibly can to help other people and that's where mate i honor you and feel so blessed to be on this podcast to be able to speak to not only you my good mate but also all the people that are listening so you know thank you for providing me with that opportunity and yeah like you know together we can do great things yeah that's that's true man 100 well said um yeah so if you guys want to check out darren check out those websites and uh yeah thank you for sitting down with me man pleasure man love you and love everyone else out there have a great day
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.